So as we go to the scripture reading this morning, uh, I will explain in more detail why I chose this one. But, but it's, it's a fantastic scripture. It's a story that we know. And just a reminder that there's a reason why this was in there, um, especially in that time, is children would follow crowds and try and find scraps of food from those crowds. And they believed, the crowds believed that these children were cursed of God. And would just reject them and push them away. Even They were homeless and dirty and just not fun to be around. And there was a time where even the disciples believed that and tried to push them away. And yet, Jesus had another idea. Today's reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 19, verses 13 through 15. Then little children were being brought to him in order that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. And he laid his hands on them and went on his way. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. So, it was interesting, I, we got home from the cabin last night, and I, you know, we did some work, and I got ready for today again, and, and just, and then right before bed, I turned on the television, and, um, and I watched the 1991 Huskies, uh, a team that I had something to do with, playing the USC Trojans, I remember the game, but it, the year was what was so uncommon, and 1991, and it was in 1991 that the story that I'm going to tell you occurred. It was just kind of neat to have that connection happen. I wasn't a pastor yet, was doing consulting work, and in part of that work, one of the things that uh, Steve White and I, was a business partner of mine and I, were looking for a warehouse, and I, I think I've shared this with you, but years and years ago, and we were looking at a warehouse downtown Seattle, just above Elliott Bay, um, that would hold a, a tremendous amount of inventory. And finally, we found this warehouse, and we began to walk through the warehouse and look at it. The realtor just kind of dropped us off, opened the door, and he said, you'll be fine um, because there's, you know, there's someone who, who lives right next door. And so as we're walking around, we hear the door open, a door open, and then close. And, and so we kind of look around, and Steve was an NFL football player, so I wasn't too worried. Um, but we look around, and here is the strangest-looking man I have ever, ever, no exaggeration, ever seen. He had on a round purple hat. He had on a red velvet robe. He had on an orange kind of button-up shirt that was just bizarre in its pattern, and these pajama bottoms that were multicolored, and orange striped socks and Birkenstocks. What do you do when you see somebody like that? You, you either turn and run, or you're curious enough, and we were curious enough to, to walk up to him, and he said, well, it looks as though you're searching for a warehouse to rent, and I want you to know that this is a good one. And, and by the way, let me invite you in for a cup of tea, because I live right beyond that door. Oh, by the way, he said, my name is Robert Fulgham. 
many of you know Robert Fulgham as the author. Um, he used to live on a houseboat down on Lake Union and moved into this warehouse in 1991. We walk into this room and, and this house, um, and it is filled with the most bizarre things you can ever imagine. And, and none of them make sense. None of them kind of go together. And there are this collection of things from all over the world. Because he loved to go all over the world. And, and we finally sat down and, you know, I began to ask him some questions about, so tell me about, about this. <clears throat> and he looked at me and he said this one phrase. Matthew 19. <clears throat> Matthew 19. I said, Matthew 19. And it was this kind of silence. Okay, tell me about Matthew 19. It said, he said, Jesus said to the disciples to let the children come to him because this is what the kingdom of heaven is like and I want to welcome you to the kingdom of heaven. And he said... I dress this way because it feels good to me. It makes me happy. It makes me feel like a child. The colors are bright, and I know they don't go together, and it doesn't matter to me. And he goes on and on. He begins to describe things, and he says, whenever I hear somebody in the warehouse, my first inclination is to invite them in for a tea party. Boy, the reaction at first service was a whole lot different than the reaction at second. (laughs) I just found that beyond, I mean, bizarre, but so interesting, and it's how he chose to live his life, and now I understood why he wrote the book. Everything I needed to know, I learned in kindergarten. And he goes through 13 very specific things. Let me read them to you. These are life lessons, he says. Share everything. Play fair. To Nancy's, don't hit or hurt people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that don't belong to you. He says, say you're sorry when you hurt someone. Wash your hands before you eat. And my absolute very favorite, flush. (laughs) Let's keep going. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Amen. Live a balanced life. Learn some, think some, draw and paint and sing and dance and play some. And yes, when there's time, work some. Take a nap every afternoon. And when you go into the world, hold hands, look both ways before crossing the street, and stick together. And finally, celebrate, always celebrate the wonderment of it all. So I want to take just a few minutes and unwrap some of those. Before getting there, I I just want to... I keep wondering, okay, so you have these disciples, these fishermen, and Jesus walks up to them and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of humanity. What if instead what he said was, 
Guys! Hey! Come and play with me, and I want to show you an adventure unlike anything you have ever seen before. We're going to travel, and we're going to see new things, and we don't even know where our food's going to come from. And, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun, and we'll be together, and we'll camp together, and we'll do all kinds of things together, and you won't have to fish. Man, if it was me, I'd drop everything in a heartbeat and follow him. Or, or what, if, what if he comes to, to Levi Matthew sitting, you know, somberly in his tax booth, taking advantage of every single person that comes to him, and Jesus walks up to him and says, Hey, buddy, I just got to tell you, you're playing the wrong game. I, I got a better game for you. Because your game hurts people. It's kind of like the Red Rover of gaming. Everybody gets hurt other than you. And really, even you're getting hurt. But you may not know it. So I, I want to I introduce you to a different game. And this game doesn't hurt people. It helps people. And it's an adventure unlike anything you'll ever live. And might that be why Levi dropped everything and followed him as well? I mean, we, we take this stuff so seriously, and yet the truth of it all is incredible. Share everything is number one. Share everything. I want you to think about the disciples. They shared everything. And then when Jesus was gone, guess what? They still shared everything. They didn't hoard. They, they, they lived balanced lives. They were fed. They had everything they needed because they decided that it was more important to share everything than it was to hoard anything. And they shared everything. And I think what happens to us as we grow older and older is we begin to be more and more and more concerned about what we hold on to rather than what we share. I wonder, how are we doing when it comes to sharing? Number two, play fair. I keep thinking about Jesus and who he confronted about playing fair. He reminded everyone of what the original rules were meant to be. He talked about the Beatitudes. He talked about the greatest commandment. And even in the midst of it, he taught people about the reciprocation of prayer and even the, the reciprocation nature of forgiveness. Fair was fair, and anyone who tried to take advantage of someone else, he would confront. Because God has an idea of what fair means. And so what we do is we play fair. Which leads us to number three. Don't hurt people ever. One of Wesley's first statements was, first, do no harm. And that means that we aren't to hurt anyone's heart anyone's mind, anyone's physical body, or anyone's soul. Don't do it. Don't do it. Ever. Number four. Put things back where you found them. Uh, there's so many directions I could go with this one, but I, I went because 
I went this way because Nathan Kling, uh, one of uh, a young man that we just love dearly, uh, he and his twin sister Naomi uh, were part of Cora's life and part of theater at at, uh, at Newport. Became an Eagle Scout yesterday at the Court of Honor, and and it happened right here. And 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 I kept thinking about Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts don't just say clean up your own mess. Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, and other scouting organizations say, leave things better than you found them. And I wonder, how are we doing on that? How are we doing on leaving things better than we found them? Whether it's right here at the church or on this property. I mean, now we're famous. (laughs) So we better take this seriously. And Phoebe's right. Because people, I've got to tell you, I've already seen it. People are walking around going like this. And on Facebook this morning, my youngest daughter is on the top of a mountain with four camp staff friends from yesterday doing this. Because Pokemon Go put them at the top of this mountain to find this whatever it is. Leave things better than you found them. Might that also mean our planet? Might that also mean every relationship? But there's more. But there's more. Because number five says, clean up your own messes. I love this one because it includes, yes, the planet, but it also includes... Our relationships. I, I will admit to you that there are occasions, yes, believe it or not, that I make a mess of my relationship with Dorothy. I, I get, hi, honey. <laughs> you, you, you can put your hand down. No, stop it. Um, I, I do. And, 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 but it's not up to Dorothy to clean up that mess. It's up to me to clean up that mess. To, to, uh, to, and we'll go into the next one too, but just say, I'm sorry. But, but, what if we all cleaned up our own messes, no matter what those messes were, and, and no matter where those messes were, and no matter who was involved in those messes, but we, we need to clean them up. Number six, don't take things that don't belong to you, including someone's heart or food or shelter or emotional stability. And the list goes on and on and on. And by the way, just a reminder... Just in case we forget, none of this belongs to us. We are stewards of the gifts of God. We are stewards of the gifts of God. That includes everyone you see in this room. That includes this place. That includes this planet and this world. We are stewards. And we are not to take anything that doesn't belong to us. But there's even more to this. Say you're sorry. Jesus made the point that God forgives our trespasses. And we're going to pray it here in a few minutes. As we forgive those who trespass against us, it is reciprocal. It is virtually impossible to receive forgiveness if you don't offer it. It's virtually impossible to offer it if you don't and are not willing to receive it. But what it begins with is saying you're sorry no matter how deep or broad or small or wide it is.
saying you're sorry begins that process. And we all need to engage in that process. Next, wash your hands before you eat. Let me add to that. What if every evening we washed our souls before we slept? Or washed our relationships before the sun went down? What if part of our evening prayer was just those confessions that will release from us as we admit them? That this is where I struggle today, Lord. And I just want to say I'm sorry. But also extend that to anyone who may have been on the other side of whatever that may have been. It's more than washing our hands before we eat. It's also washing our souls before the day comes to an end. And that brings us to my favorite. Please flush. Please flush. Here's the statement that I wrote, and I I was so tempted not to say it, but I'm going to say it. Get rid of the stuff that keeps you constipated in life. We all have it. We all do. And many of us seek to hold on to it, sometimes unintentionally. And all that does is create harm. Get rid of those things that keep you constipated in life. Number 10. Remember that it is all about balance. I love the way that Fulgham puts this. And we need to take on the whole list. Every day we need to learn something new. We need to think. We need to draw. We need to paint. We need to sing. We need to dance. And we certainly need to play. And I mean every one of us. If there's anything that you take away from camp, and we had multiple ages at camp, from adults going in to do the Idaho Mission Projects, I I mean five groups from all over the country coming in to go and do some really stinky, terrible work, at least some of them. But they would come home at night sweating and dirty and they would shower and they would come back and you know what they did? They played and sang and danced. We had the elementary school late camp. They loved to play and sing and dance. They do it better than anybody. But we, we, we kept up with them and then I was there with the counselors in training, training them how to be camp counselors. And part of it is to sing and play and dance, and pray, and love, and follow the rules, and all of those things. But every one of us needs to take more time. And and oh, by the way, if there's any time left over, then let's work. Number 11. I was reminded of this at camp as well. Take a nap every afternoon. Take a nap every afternoon. Every camp that I know of does this. At Lazy F, it's feet on bunk time. Fob. At Twinlow, it's jam. Jesus and me time. The requirements of this are that you are prone and you are quiet. And even the second graders that were there, beyond being in the water, this was their favorite time. Every counselor looked forward to this time. The camp pastor looked forward to this time. 
And this is scriptural. Sabbath is that kind of time. Sabbath is that time that we stop and go quiet and realize what's around us. It's essential that we do this. And according to Scripture, once a week for a whole day. When was the last time any of us did this once a week for a whole day? We call it vacation, but I will tell you, I usually come back more tired from vacation than I do at work. Sabbath is an essential part. Take a nap every day. Take a Sabbath, even if it's a Sabbath moment or a Sabbath hour every day. It will create renewal and health in every one of us. Number 12, remember to look both ways before you cross the street. There is always potential danger there. And the more people that we have holding hands together, the more we can see the danger before it comes. And it's part of what we do here is we hold hands and we look around and if there are places of danger, not only do we face them together, we seek to overcome them. That is spiritual mandate. That is what Jesus did. But I want to remind you that He didn't do it alone. He trained that next generation to do the same. And then that next generation did it. And then, and then, and then, and here we are sitting here today surrounded by a world that is shooting each other. And we have to do something. We have to do something. But let's do it holding hands, even if we may disagree on what that approach may be. Hold hands, look both ways. Venture, that doesn't mean we don't cross the street ever. It just means we do it together and look for that danger. And then finally, the final piece is decide to regain the wonder of our childhood and say things as mysteries, new and wonderful. And now I go back to Jesus and His call. Why is it that He would say what He said about a child. Because children understand these things readily. They don't see color. They don't see attitude. They don't see those kinds of things. They come into this as innocent as possible until they're taught otherwise. I just think we need to regain that wonderment, that appreciation of creation, that wonderment that we see in each other. I was sitting on the deck, and I'll close with this thought as we prepare for communion. I was sitting on the deck uh, day before yesterday and looking in wonderment at a singular hemlock tree with the little curly top and thinking about each one of those individual needles and that every one of those needles does something to help that tree. And then you look at the way that those branches just beautifully fold down. And you look at the symmetry in that tree. And you think about the root system that goes deep and spreads out to hold that tree on a bank that is as steep as the one where that tree is growing. I looked over and then there is this beautiful broadleaf maple. And those leaves are this big and every one of those leaves has little tiny veins in it that help nourish that tree. And then I saw a little ant crawling across that leaf. And it was just 
the wonderment of it all. And I realized that we don't stop often enough to just look at that. Yeah, we're overcome by Mount Rainier. It's huge. But what about the smaller things? What about those things that surround us every day? And taking the time of wonderment to playfully look and be. Childlike heart, says Jesus. Childlike heart. Not childish, childlike. And that brings us here.